spirituality and claims of the paranormal but take part ourselves yes when they make the claims we show up so you do not have to i am ross blotcher and i'm carrie poppy and today we'll be returning to the flat earth conference 2017 an event 500 years in the making <laughs> in carrie north carolina in Cary, North Carolina. And we didn't go to North Carolina. I'm sorry. We wanted no. to. But we, we did buy an all-access streaming pass. Yes. And we were watching from California and occasionally Missouri. Oh, because you were in Missouri giving yeah, a talk correct. that I hear went very well. Oh, yeah. Actually, I watched some in Denver as well. From the Denver airport that's shaped like a swastika? Right, yeah. Okay. It's a great place to watch <laughs> videos about flat and earth. take a plane. Sure. It's actually not even really shaped like a swastika anymore. No? Not really. If you look at the map, the overview map, they've built onto it so much, it really doesn't look that much like a swastika. Boring. But there's a bunch of conspiracy theories about the Denver airport. You should look it up. Anyway. I went there, so you don't have to. If you're just joining us, you probably don't want to start here. You nope. probably want to go back to Flat Earth Part 1 yep. and join us on this journey, because we are now in Flat Earth Part 4. So we're reviewing the conference that we watched online. We encourage you to stop and do the research yourself. Do the research. Get the evidence. And this podcast is not a religious thing. <laughs> it's not. But also, there's a creator and he loves you. And there are no atheists in podcasting. Newsobserver.com says that there were 500 people at the conference. Okay. Good That's size a decent conference. Size conference. Yeah. Wish they'd invited two more. Yeah, 502 would have been the perfect round number. Maybe they wanted to have one person for every year in the making. So the first day of the event was on a Thursday, November 9th, and you had watched the first couple talks. Mm -hmm. I came in at the very next talk, which is very convenient. I happened to pull open my browser at 8.30 in the morning, California time. Yeah, if we were more together, we would have planned this, but we didn't Makes plan sense. it. It just happened. It just happened. Yeah. So yeah, I remember when I first logged in to my paid account, they were just wrapping up a talk, so it must have been yours okay they brought up a stream and they were showing i think a twitter feed of their hashtag yes which wasn't terribly active the attendees at this conference would be posting photos and sometimes there were multiple copies of the same post but i did like you saw a couple people flashing that gang symbol where you hold out your <laughs> forearm level with the ground flat earth i don't think that really looks like a gang symbol except that it involves your hand <laughs> Showing your solidarity with yeah, this yeah, yeah. movement. Oh, okay. Gang in that sense. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So the MC came up, Rick Hummer, and introduced the next speaker, <laughs> Richard Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing because it says Hummer. Hummer. And Hummers contribute to global warming. Exactly. And that's hilarious. <laughs> so uh, Richard Hopkins came up and... Is he related to Anthony? Maybe. Probably. Anthony Hopkins is a classy guy. Fun fact, one time I accidentally got mail intended for Anthony Hopkins. Oh, that's right. A guy from India, was it? Yeah. Who wanted to send you a copy of his DVD that wasn't working. Yes. 
he sent it to Anthony Hopkins, care of Hollywood. And since I'm on the Hollywood... I was going to say, how did that get to you? (laughs) I'm on the Hollywood Neighborhood Council. I'm an elected official. No big deal. Yeah, it ended up with us. They kind of just didn't know what to do with it. So somehow ended up with us, came into the office, and no one really wanted it. They were like, Anthony Hopkins, what the hell is this? And it just laid there. And I was like, "Uh, excuse me, I want that. And opened it up and it was a letter from India saying, hey, listen, I bought your DVD of this movie from like 40 years ago and it's not playing. So I sent it all the way back to you, Anthony Hopkins in L.A. <laughs> What's he so that do you would it? know. <laughs> but you know what this means, folks. You can send carry letters by addressing them to Hollywood, <laughs> California. Yeah, you can try. They will eventually end up in her city council. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. She will get your letter. So he came up with a lot of enthusiasm, said, we can't turn this thing off. We want to learn. We want to learn. We want to learn. I don't think he said it quite that way. Wow. But he said it three times. We want right. to learn. Yes. He mentioned that he rewrote his entire presentation on the plane. He was just feeling how we've covered so much of the stuff before, and the idea of Flat Earth just isn't as fresh anymore. It doesn't have that new car smell. We need to have somebody come up with some sort of repository or depository, he said. (laughs) (laughs) Or suppository. (laughs) I said, where all our new evidence can be gathered. You know, we just need to start convincing other people with the mountains of evidence. Okay, yeah, that's a good plan. Yeah. Convince me, man. Here we go. Ross is going to make the case. I'm going to buy it. Here we go. So he admitted, agreed, yeah, we can see that things fall, quote unquote, at 9.8 meters per second squared. But science can't tell you if it's gravity or if it's density or if it's buoyancy. So there you go. There's some evidence for you. Okay. He mentioned that for him, what got him into flat earth was a photo of Chicago from 60 miles away. That's what did it, huh? Stood out to him like, wow, okay, it has to be flat. God damn it, Chicago, look what you did. Oh yeah, 52 miles away should have over 1,800 feet of curvature hiding the tallest building completely. Oh wow, what a pretty picture. Yeah. Yeah, it looks painted. It really does. Question number one, where was this picture taken from? Was it a tower? That's a very good question. The photo was taken from Grand Mere State Park, which is in Michigan, right across Lake Michigan from Chicago. And it's unclear what elevation the photo was taken from, and that could affect how much of Chicago you would or would not be able to see from there. But also, they often include a news segment where the weatherman is saying, This is a mirage that you shouldn't normally be able to see Chicago. And I think it's a big glaring problem that you normally don't see Chicago from there as you shouldn't. But in this case, yeah, there was a sustained mirage that was carrying the image of Chicago's skyline across the lake to this park. And their rebuttal is that it's not inverted. And if it's a mirage, it should be inverted. Well, not always. And you can see it's distorted. There's even a time-lapse video of the Chicago skyline that was taken at this time. And yeah, it's looking pretty good for a long time. And you can see most of Chicago. The bases of some of the buildings are obscured. But toward the very end of the time lapse, that image starts wavering and they cut it off right as that starts happening, uh, as the mirage is breaking up essentially. So I'll admit this is one of the more compelling cases, but it does turn out to be a mirage. I'm sure it's all true. I'm sure it's all true. And Richard Hopkins himself looks to be a very tall gentleman with a goatee. Uh, 
white gentleman. A white gentleman. Most of the speakers will be Caucasian. Daryl Marble was a black gentleman. So then he said uh, it took him a long time to build 2,500 subscribers on his channel. And he said, I've lost most of them now, but I've <laughs> just got to go with the truth wherever it takes me. And I wonder what he was videoing about before. That got an applause. But apparently he's recovered just fine because he has over 39,000 subscribers now on his Mr. Thrive and Survive YouTube channel. Uh, I see also that one of his most recent videos, Mm -hmm. he put up a video that said, I'll be developing a repository for scientific papers to have a place to be submitted, indexed, searchable, and available without comment to the people of the world to access at any time. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to submit your flat earth papers to a narrow reviewed journal, then you just need to find Mr. Thrive and Survive. So he said he was a little ashamed that he didn't come to Flat Earth through the Bible because he knows the Bible well, but he just assumed that there were bad translations. But he said, reading Joshua 10, the sun and the moon stood still. Yeah. There was a huge applause for that. You can't do that with a globe Earth. We'd all go flying off the earth if all of a sudden we stopped, which is, Uh I agree, that's Uh kind of a critique of the Bible story. The sun and the moon are normally in transit, and then for this moment, they stood still. Right, for a long time, they stood still, yeah. Right, Gog and Magog, man. So then he jumped into some conspiracy theory stuff. He mentioned that there was a 1960s national anthem that was televised with subliminal messages. And that Ah. as the words that are on screen fade away, other words pop up very briefly and tell you little messages about God is the government and the government is good and that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah, that was interesting. So he said to look that up. Um, Did you? I did. And? And uh, yeah, the video looks pretty creepy and you can see words popping Ah. up. But there's no good provenance on this video. It showed up in 2009 on the internet from someone who hasn't posted any other videos. And there are no other sources of this video from earlier than that. Uh, And also the fonts don't match between the subliminal message and the lyrics printed for the national anthem. Uh Ah, right, right, right. Uh, And also this was promoted on Alex Jones' show. So I would take it with a big grain of salt. He also talked about uh, MK Ultra and how the CIA admitted they had used that and then promised they wouldn't use any more subliminals. And that got a good laugh from the audience. Mm. He said that he's seen miracles, rainbows lasting past sunset and even moving toward him. Rainbows lasting past sunset and moving toward him. Okay, sure. And then he's seen crepuscular rays, which we haven't mentioned yet. This is one of the big flat earth arguments that sometimes you see these volumetric light rays or God rays, as people call them, coming out of the clouds and they look all majestic. Like when you see Jesus and there's the Exactly. That's funny. When my son was little, he used to see those clouds and the light streaming out of them. He'd say, look, Dad, Jesus. <laughs> so the argument here is that if you trace those lines back to the source, the sun, that that should show you where the sun is located. Okay. I and mean, that, there might be some and th- bouncing there, but okay. So they have lots of photos of all of these rays diverging quite a bit at these wide angles. And they're saying, oh, and they're trying to tell us the sun is 93 million miles away. Okay. That's ridiculous because obviously this is converging on a much closer point. And he even said that for his son, that was like a big moment where he said, oh, you're right, dad. Yeah, I don't believe this globe earth stuff. When you said his son, I pictured his S-U-N. And the son was like, okay, dad. I'm 93 million miles away. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) 
Well, that sounds like some mashed potatoes. Yeah, and apparently this is just a an optical illusion. Well, it, yeah, the clouds in the way. The convergence point of those rays from how we're seeing them is ridiculously close. It would be just above the clouds, essentially. Mm. And no one believes the sun is there, I hope. Right. Because someone at the same exact moment, 40 miles away, would see the sun at a different angle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And those angles in a cloud would be pointing at a different location. So I'm not sure what the argument there is. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but intuitively, I'm just like, if a cloud's in the way, light bounces off of things unpredictably to the layman all the time. I mean, I'm sure a physicist would understand it better than I do, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't determine anything from like the way that a ray came off a cloud. Oh, sure. I mean, I get the intuitive appeal of that argument, but it just it doesn't bear out. Why are you looking like that? Uh, because Carrie has a very strange look. She's giving her laptop. Well, I pulled up your guy's YouTube channel and I'm backtracking a few years to see what he was talking about before Flat Earth. Okay. And it was mostly political stuff. If you really hated Obama. But then I came to a video called Use Internet Explorer to View Homosexual Marriage. Does it not come up in Chrome? <laughs> you can't see homosexual marriage in Chrome, Ross. Weird. Uh, very strange. Yeah, it looks like he was generally a conspiracy theorist, but more of a political bent. And then he turned to Flat Earth and people were like, okay, now you're talking crazy. <laughs> wow. I was with you with Obama is Hitler. Uh-huh. Oh, buy gold now. Economy's crashing. I'm looking at a blog entry from our friend Phil Plate, the bad astronomer. Oh, uh, yeah. And he says those crepuscular rays are parallel. And he provides some image proof from above the clouds. Uh, yeah, it's just an optical illusion the way that we see them on Earth, we perceive them as being divergent, but they are not. But the, the flat earth crowd will laugh at that and say, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous because I see it the way I see it. I will not doubt my eyes unless I see the curvature of the earth, in which case it's an implanted memory. You know, that reminds me that a flat earther on Twitter sent me a picture of a, a ship. It was on the water, but the water level was, well, it looked like there was a false water level below the ship. So it kind of looks like the ship was floating in the air oh, when actually just the horizon line of the water was was not in view in the picture. And I don't even remember what point he was making, but I responded and said, so what you're saying is that we can't trust our senses all the time. Uh-huh. And uh, boy, did that really send him into a kerfuffle. Just having to admit yeah, yeah, that, yeah. say that. Right. Uh, the eclipse that just happened is NASA's nightmare. <laughs> They can't explain that. I'm sure that's keeping them up at night. There was something about pinpricks causing certain shadows on the ground during an eclipse. The little lights cast on the ground by, say, tree leaves or even a pinhole in a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And somehow he felt that they never used to admit that. But then when people noticed it, they had to cop to it. And somehow that reveals the lie of the light source that is the sun. You're looking at me with squinty eyes, probably because I'm looking at you with squinty eyes, because I'm not sure what point no, he's trying I to make with this. No, I don't understand at all. So this is a thing that only happens during an eclipse? Because mm. shadows happen all the time. Right, but normally they're around because the sun isn't being obstructed. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea okay. why he thought this was We're both just impressive. shaking our heads at each other. But this is the evidence we're getting. Okay. Hey, at least he's trying. My people were just like, there's evidence, I promise. Find it yourself. I'm up here. Oh, I'm giving a talk. It's for 90 sure. minutes. 
minutes. This guy had a lot to say. Still no slides, but at least he had a lot to share. Uh, He mentioned that uh, someone has empirical evidence that the moon was not in front of the sun, but he was not forthcoming with that. Okay, great. I can't wait to talk to that person. Are they here? No, apparently not. He read this 1903 statement in England. Some person had written a phrase that included, heretical doctrine that the earth is a sphere. It was Ebenezer Breach, a taxpayer. So some taxpayer named Ebenezer Breach. That's adorable. Declared. So it's just like a, having arrest powers. Right, right, just a private citizen, but probably this guy is just very hung up on taxes. He said also, how can you determine relative motion if you're in a boat? Well, you have to put your hand in the water. Well, we've done the same thing with Earth in regards to space, and there were experiments in the 1800s that show without a doubt that the Earth doesn't move. Originally, they were trying to test for the ether. Turns out those experiments proved the Earth is not moving. How? Come on, he's not going to tell us how. He just tells us that's what it proves. Oh, so he does believe space exists. You would get that impression. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't recall him talking about the dome. Okay. So, yeah, he might actually believe in real space. Okay. Yeah. He- hey, good for him. My yeah. bar has really sunk here. Good job I'm there. really impressed that this man believes in space. Anyways, he was saying that it's been shown that density, buoyancy, and magnetic attraction explain everything that gravity is supposed to explain. So we don't need that. Ignoring gravity's role in most of those things. Yes. And then he, again, mocked, as we've heard others do, Neil deGrasse Tyson proving gravity by dropping a microphone. Dropping a mic, yeah. And he said, is that what we pay scientists thousands of dollars for? To drop things? Yeah, I mean, it's a tongue-in-cheek response. So yeah, if you ask Neil deGrasse Tyson whether gravity exists or the Earth is flat, he just drops a mic. That's all he's got. It's just a cute little joke is what that is. So then he mentions that no two images from space are a match. So if you try to line them up, you'll find that sometimes you'll have seven widths of Florida in one picture for the Gulf of Mexico and four and a half in the other. So did the Gulf all, all of a sudden shrink? You know what else is true? There are no two pictures of me that exactly match. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and I imagine... This one, she's close to the lens. And this one, she's far from the lens. What's happening? I imagine it's legitimately tricky. Sometimes you're trying to project things on a flat surface. Sometimes you're seeing curvature, but at one angle. And sometimes you're seeing curvature at another angle. Uh, but yeah, for him, it's just, oh, it's all inconsistent. So it's all made up. Why is the moon blue in the day, but it becomes black at night? That got an applause. These are weird things that we need to look at and find explanations for. Is the moon blue during the day? The shaded area is blue like the sky. Mm, Okay. I like this one. So the moon is silver light in the blue spectrum, but the sun is warm light. So how is that reflected light? If we're... (gasps) If we're if we're seeing silver light from the moon, clearly it can't be reflecting the sun. Now, there's this thing called absorption. Oh no. You can absorb some light. Uh-huh. Or only reflect certain light. Right. All right, well we just explained that one. <laughs> I mean, are they googling the answers to these questions? Really makes you wonder. I feel like they're pretty happy when they find the inconsistency, the anomaly. Uh-huh. And they stop there. Richard Hopkins may have been the guy who started the cooling moonlight idea because he he mentioned creating a video that got a lot of traction. So I think that was his original discovery. So the idea is that the moon gives off a cold light and if you measure 
the temperature of something under the moon's light versus in the shade. The thing in the moon's light is actually going to be colder. I looked up what's actually happening. Did you look into this? No. Okay, so it looks like people are using those thermometers where they shine like a laser at it. And those are pretty imprecise if you don't know how to use them. Oh, yeah. You can get wildly varying Yeah, And with whole numbers, too, not very specific fine-tuned measurements. So they take a whole radius around the pin point and they average the temperature within that radius it's really only supposed to point it at something that's fairly close and that doesn't have a bunch of different temperatures within that radius so if you're pointing it at something that's like in the shadow but right next to the light or vice versa you're going to get a really wild reading so if you're also motivated to do it until you find a colder reading of course you can find right. that there's natural variation there and then you can make your own interpretations yep. based on that limited data. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And then for his example of how science gets things wrong, he mentioned how they used to always have those charts of the tongue and the different areas of sensation, saltiness and sugariness. And now here's a question. Sour. How did we figure out that wasn't so? More and better science? More science. Well, now isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, that, that part of the equation was left off. It's just, you know, science gets things wrong. That's true. And we, we only find out about it being wrong when other science tells us that. That's right. This is pretty much the best thing about science. He kept throwing out these slam dunk arguments, but not explaining why they were. Right. I guess he just figures we'll go and look them up. Right. We'll watch the half hour YouTube clip. It's very dispiriting because they'll constantly mention some YouTube clip like, oh, just watch this YouTube video. And you go to watch it and it pops up and it's 40 minutes. Oh, God. Come on. Yeah. Can't you just briefly state this? Do you Isn't have that to, why you're here? Do you have to drop in the soundtrack to Gladiator and then <laughs> make me watch <laughs> subtitled videos? You can't even just listen in the background. You have to watch and read every one oh, of the captions. Right. And so many of these videos. Always the earmark of a good video. <sighs> so frustrating. <laughs> it's like you want to wrap your head around these things, but they make it so hard to absorb. Just yeah. these hundreds of hours of YouTube videos. I'm not going to claim to be the best public speaker in the world, but you and I have both given a number of talks. I can't imagine being being like, now central to my argument is something you need to go watch later. <laughs> then you'll understand what I just said. Yeah. That's bad public speaking. Yes. Amen. <laughs> he pointed out one of their favorite rallying cries that water is always flat. Oh, yes. No question. So then he ends with a strong finish. He says, there is nothing hidden that will not be exposed. Applause, applause, applause. Let's expose the truth. God bless each and every one of you. Not a religious thing. Not a religious thing, though. Wow, wow, wow. So that was Richard Hopkins. And uh, then our MC came up and said, thanks, Mr. Survive and Thrive. Now it's lunchtime. So uh, they all went off to lunch and they promised that next we would get Mark Sargent. Ooh, now Mark Sargent is a big name in Flat Earth, you guys. I'm excited to hear about it. But before I do, are there any other good shows that I should hear? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at my vinyl discs here. Ooh, ooh, this is a good one. Here, let me pop this on the turntable. That's the sound of the record. 
Hey everyone, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, here to tell you about Story Break, a writer's room podcast where every week we, the Hollywood geniuses behind Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Thrill as we weave the tragic tale of Jar Jar, a Star Wars story. We're going to double down on everything that made the prequels great. Jar Jar, <laughs> trade federation, <laughs> politics. Gasp as we assemble a pantheon of heroes for the Kellogg Cinematic Universe. We could get rid of Snap, Crackle, Pop. I wouldn't even miss them. You're crazy. They die in the second act. Oh, come on. <laughs> and join us as we make fun of Matt as he struggles to name a single Beyonce song. Well, yeah, put a finger on it. Sure, she wants to be Beyonce. Put a um, finger on it. Beyonce's <laughs> famous song. Will we break the story? Or will the story break us? Find out by joining us in the writer's room every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. So while everyone was at lunch, they just kept playing on the stream a bunch of these rap music videos that we've heard, and also some fun little satiric cartoon ball. ODD TV's mm-hmm. cartoon ball. Yeah, we finished off our second episode with that song. And we got a lot of tweets asking us what that was. Pretty catchy song. And he has a bunch of songs about a bunch of theories. It seems like most of the songs were either kind of rap-based or they were sort of like a country oh, okay. sort of That's twangy interesting. song. interesting. The two things that you always hear dummies say they don't like, country and rap. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And the country ones would be usually just more satirical. Ah, uh, yuck, these silly people believe in their silly things about the globe. Uh, and then the rap ones would be, I'm Eminem and I'm really angry and I'm taking I you down. I wish it were Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> right. That so, would be fun. Then Mark Sargent came in. He was our next speaker. And yeah, he's the man who really got this going. Seems like he's kind of the grandfather of flat earthism in this modern era. Yeah, we certainly heard much mention of him at the meetup group. Absolutely. And he had shown up once for our meetup group. We had missed out on that particular meeting and we were sad. That's my welcome tune for Mark Sargent. He's wearing a black hat. He is also a thickly built white gentleman. He's wearing a black shirt that says property of FEU. So I assume that's Flat Flat Earth Earth University. University. We can only assume. So this is interesting about FEU. I see there is a popular YouTube channel called Soto FEU that's about Flat Earth. Okay. Robbie Davidson came up to introduce Mark Sargent and said the infamous Flat Earth Clues video series made a huge influence on him personally coming Ah. to the Flat Earth movement. So he had another person influenced by Mark Sargent. And he said, what does it say in Romans? The creation testifies and the adversary attacks the creator. But this isn't like a religious thing, right? (laughs) No, but everybody applauded for that. And he said that Mark Sargent is one of the hardest workers in Flat Earth, which is probably true. That seems possible. These guys are prolific. And he is the prolificest of the prolificers. Mm -hmm. And uh, he introduced a little bit of the infighting here where he said that, you know, whatever you think of Mark Sargent and his videos, you have to admit he'll promote anyone who's doing flat earth work. So even if he disagrees with them, he'll still promote their channel or promote their video or appearance and make sure that the word gets out. Unified front. So Mark Sargent comes up and he said, this is going to be a Q&A. Sorry, didn't have time to talk to everyone out here at the conference. Usually I'm used to much smaller meetups Mm -hmm. uh, where I get to know everyone in person, but wow, this is so cool. There's so many people here. And just want to make it clear, I am not the father of Flat Earth. I just saw a door. God is. <laughs> right. I just saw a door and I poked my head inside. Aw. Does he name a father or mother of Flat Earth? No, I think 
the idea is just that there were earlier people who laid the groundwork and he just kind of picked it up in this modern era. And two years later, you've all taken this further than I would have ever even hoped. It's interesting that they all acknowledge it's been two years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It seems like they all date the beginning of this to 2015, which seems about right. It Mm -hmm. really wasn't a thing before. Yeah, it really exploded on the scene very suddenly. And so he gave a sincere thank you to everybody and said, if you are here, you are part of the resistance and the solution. Someone asked me if I was nervous about seeing all these people in chairs here, but guys, I don't see chairs. I see a flat earth army, one that will shake the foundations of science in the world. I see chairs. The first question that was asked was, are we just in a computer simulation? Because- Oh! A little Linda Moulton Howe yeah. crossover here. The example- Hall of mirrors with a quicksand floor. <laughs> the- Example that the questioner used was that when computer programmers are trying to create an Earth, they often just do it as a flat grid because it's easier to compute than uh-huh. some non-Euclidean surface okay. complicated thing. And it was interesting. Mark Sargent's answer was, yes, you're absolutely right. It is way more efficient to plan it flat. And 99% of programmers plan it that way. So I'm not saying it's a simulation necessarily, but you're absolutely right that it's easier. Okay. Very useful answer. Next person asked him, what made you look through the door? And Mark Sargent said that I was already a conspiracy guy and I thought Flat Earth was ridiculous. But yeah, I looked into it, did the research, and I was convinced. It seems like everyone is into additional conspiracy theories. In this world. I would be very curious to see anyone who only believed Flat Earth without any of those I'd be almost more interested to see that than the atheist Flat Earther. Definitely both would be intriguing. If you're listening to this and you're an atheist who believes no conspiracy theories except that the Earth is flat, we want to hear from you. The next question was some guy who came up and said, is your name Wreck-It Ralph? What? (laughs) That's what Mark Sargent said. Uh, No. It's not. And, and it must have been some joke in his head. Yeah. But I, I it didn't translate. The guy tried to brief. We never figured out what this awkward guy was trying to get at. So oh, you wreck it, Ralph. He's so weird. Yeah, his name's not Ralph. Maybe he's telling me he's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's saying he's riveting. Mark was saying that so many members of the press attended this talk and unbidden. We didn't even have to ask them to come. I bet. Yeah, and I'm just sitting there thinking like, yeah, well, we all want to come see the shit show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the mashed potatoes. Of Flat Earth. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the big struggles in journalism theory is how much of a platform do you give to this sort of stuff. Yeah, but Flat it's Earth a, Conference. It's a flashy topic and oh, someone's yeah. going to cover it and it might as well be you. That's um, usually the prevailing attitude. But yeah, it's a juicy story, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, and it's also very telling and interesting about where our country is right now. Absolutely. It is a sign of the times. Yeah. So he said to the reporters, look, we're all normal, except maybe that guy over there in the Russian hat. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he called out the guy in some Russian hat. Uh, and there Do were- you think they're really was a person or do you think that was like a joke about oh no i, I oh, think okay. that there actually was the way oh, he was okay, saying it cool yeah it sounded like there was a guy in the audience <laughs> maybe that's all he was wearing <laughs> 
Probably. I love this. While he was talking, he didn't have a slide presentation. I don't know. Did any of these speakers actually have a presentation that matched their talk? I didn't see anyone with slides. I will say, though, I don't hold non-slides against anyone. For sure. But in the background, they just started playing this collection of images. And at some point, they said the name of the collection or the person or something. And I wanted to get that, and I missed it, huh. just to find this repository of amazing images. A series of, ha-ha, look how silly the globe conspiracy is images kind of thing yeah so one showed this view of the flat earth that we've come to be familiar with with the north pole in the center and said those who take the time to research the flat earth become flat earthers Mm. there was one of a boy against the clouds and he's holding up the earth and it says the reason you cannot feel the earth spinning is because it is not spinning Whoa. That might be my favorite. The reason why I can't feel my pancreas working is because it's not. Then they show flight paths on a globe, and you see flights coming out of eastern Australia, going up over California and across the United States, and then coming down to South America. And then they show the same flights on a flat Earth, and supposedly it makes a lot more sense, and it's a direct route. So why do they actually, are they stopping to refuel? What's happening there? That's a good question. Let's see. According to a, a guy named Mick West, he pulled up a bunch of flights that are direct from Australia to Argentina and was pointing out that these flights flights that are being used as flat earth examples are actually just two flights where you have a stop over there because people from Dubai want to go where you're going. They're just using a hub in Dubai instead of making a direct flight then. Right. Oh, yeah. I guess this one was to Johannesburg. But yeah, you get the idea. They, yeah, they're stopping off to pick up more passengers and do a second leg of the flight. I'm seeing a list of Qantas routes, and some of them do go directly from Australia to South America. So looks like they just pulled out one ridiculous example and made big hay out of it. Yeah, and direct flights are more expensive if you're going from a not-well-traveled place to a not-well-traveled place. Uh, another photo just showed a big city from high up. And yeah, Earth looks pretty flat there when you just look at that section of it. Uh, there was This one was pretty sad. There's a graphic of the crew of Challenger STS-51 supposedly oh, died no. in a shuttle explosion with a T in 1986 and then it shows the challenger astronauts next to photos of people who look kind of like them oh gosh and these are supposed to be the age progressed versions of these people you know they didn't pass away they were just actors or pretending i wonder who these poor older version people are I was saying this to you earlier. It seems like a lot of these conspiracy theorists have facial blindness or something because they'll show these pictures of supposed actors who go from tragedy to tragedy pretending to be victims or families of victims. And they always put them next to each other. And I'm like, these people don't look alike. Yeah, some of these are semi-close, but other ones are, oh, yeah, this guy is also Asian. Yeah, this woman is brunette with bangs. They're not the same person. And then you have a very skeptical looking young African boy looking at a woman and the caption says, so you're telling me that we're hurtling through the galaxy at 670,000 miles per hour, but we see the very same constellations the ancients mapped out thousands of years ago. They're far away. Yeah, cosmic distances are huge. Yep. What a weird photo to choose. Yeah. Yeah, So while he's talking and doing his Q&A, they're just playing these little 
flat earth memes in the background. They were pretty entertaining. Super distracting, though. Slash depressing. While someone talks. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was focused on those quite a bit. Mark Sargent said that he does believe in a firmament. Okay. If anybody doesn't know what a firmament is... It's yeah, read your King James Bible. (laughs) It's this idea that there's sort of a half dome over the flat (laughs) earth and the stars are stuck in it and that's our sky. Yeah, and maybe there are levels of glass planes or some sort of domes where all of these things live and revolve. And it's kind of like this idea of ancient machinery and you see these old woodblock engravings of people kind of reaching the end of the earth and there's these layers. Truman Show. Yeah, right. You know, it's funny. There were some references to the Truman Show both at our meetup group and at this conference. Of course, why not? Great movie. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's like the UFO people, how they like imagine these fictional tales are somehow disclosure. Exactly. He said he's changed where he doesn't believe in an instanced sun anymore. So now he thinks that you have the dome structure and the sun is this concentrated light point, but there's no fusion going on in it. And like the actual energy source is somewhere else. Oh, The sun is something else, and it's just being kind of projected on this one spot on the dome. I wonder why he even needed to add that layer of explanation. I don't know, but the power for the sun is coming from somewhere else beyond the dome. Okay. You heard it there. And he stated declaratively that you can't be an atheist flat earther. Wow. Okay. Well, take that, Robbie Davidson. Yeah, right? Uh, But this isn't like a religious thing, right? No, no, not at all religious. Okay, good. Nope, secular conference. He said he fell away from the church for years because he's a tech guy. I guess somehow that goes together. You know, he's a critical thinker, skeptical. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. he had his drifting away time, but now he's back and come to see the truth. One of his best lines was that we are way ahead of the curve. <laughs> That's Pretty cute. good. That's yeah, good. I like that. Uh, one of the questions was asked by a 12-year-old, conspicuously young fellow, uh, but they don't indoctrinate here. And he asked... How high is the dome? Which is a good question. Mark Sargent admitted that's pretty tough. It's definitely shallow. He thinks it would look kind of like a sports stadium where it sort of curves up quickly towards the outer edges, but then it stays relatively level rather than being a giant snow globe or a hemisphere. The dome probably stays equidistant for most of its expanse. Hmm. I wonder what he bases that on. Yeah, maybe somewhere between 1,200 to 1,500 kilometers was his estimate for the height. Oh, whoa. He was also asked if he thought there was anything beyond the ice wall. And he says, yeah, I think there's more out there, but that white part would probably go on for thousands of miles. Okay. An Australian reporter got up and asked a question and said, who's behind all this? Trying to get at where's the power structure here. And what's the motivation? And so Mark said that only the top brass is even aware of this. So all of the others below them are equally deceived. That's certainly a more tenable position than that everyone is in on it. Yeah, it's less cynical. Uh, Still a lot of lying going on. But he says that there is a small scary group of smoking men around a table who plot everything. So very X-Files there. At least that's what I picture immediately. Mm-hmm. The follow-up question to that was, is there a satanic element bringing the governments together? And he said, yes, definitely. Big applause. <laughs> 
not a religious thing. Right. Uh, another bold statement he made was that anything Elon Musk says is an outright lie. Anything he says. Anything. He just pulls crap out of his butt on a weekly basis. Wow. What if he says I have to poop? That's a lie. Hmm. Mark said, I love sci-fi and hate everything Elon Musk has ever said. Wow. It's not even good science fiction. Okay. And the whole Virgin Galactic program, that's ridiculous too. It's not doing anything. And then he made a joke about how, oh, we see all of these scientists and they're getting ready and they're going into the spaceship and the next time we see them, they're just floating into the ISS, the International Space Station, with their socks on. And everybody laughed at that. (laughs) Obviously, they're just cutting to another scene with these actors in a soundstage somewhere. Here are some Elon Musk quotes, which I guess makes them false. All right, let's write them as true or false. Okay, let's follow along. Life is too short for long-term grudges. False. False. (laughs) Patience is a virtue. False. And and I'm learning patience. It's a tough lesson. That's a lie. False. I would like to die on Mars. That's false. False. When I was in college, I wanted to be involved in things that would change the world. Nope. False. He did not. False. People should pursue what they're passionate about. Lie. That will make them happier than pretty much anything else. False. Nope. I think it matters whether someone has a good heart. False. False. I do love email. Wherever possible, I try to communicate asynchronously. I'm really good at email. False. False. <laughs> Mark said that as much as he hates Neil deGrasse Tyson, he doesn't know if Tyson's been fully disclosed on all of this. Okay. So so he may just be deceived. One questioner, in -hmm. quotes, came up and said, first, I'd just like to give credit to Jesus Christ for all of us being here. (laughs) Oh, my God. Everybody applauds at that. The audience loves it. Then he says, well, what do you think of Eric Dubé's divisiveness and trying to remove Jesus from the equation? (gasps) Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, he came out and asked that. And Mark said, well, Eric was invited to this thing and he declined. And then he kind of put us under the bus in an Eddie Bravo interview. So I guess Eric Dubé isn't a Christian then? Apparently not. Oh, okay. I see he has a video published last year called Jesus Christ Never Existed. Hey, okay. And he's our anti-Semitic friend. So <laughs> I'm not gonna I don't want to use those two terms together. Uh we do not know Eric Dubé, and he sounds very unsavory. Let's just say that. But he described this whole convention and conference as a shill fest. Wow. Mark said that he's tried to extend the olive branch, but Eric won't even come halfway. Uh, he says, but I don't hate the guy. I don't hate him. So yeah, I'm seeing on his on Eric Dubé's website some pretty anti-religion stuff. I wonder if we found our atheist flat earther. Well, I think they would all be aware of him if that was his stance. He must be some other kind well, of religionist. Well, I wonder religionist. if they're, you know, no true Scotsmaning him. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it would be interesting to hear what Eric Dubé says his religious beliefs are. Yeah. There was a questioner who identified as Candy from North Carolina. Mark immediately responded with a, ugh, and then said, no, I am not marrying you, and made a joke about getting a restraining order. So apparently this Candy is all over online following him everywhere and making comments and asking him to marry her or something like that. Oh, jeez. Uh, then Candy, he's, get it together, girl. But then he kind of said, all right, well, you know, you have been one of my biggest supporters. Thanks for that. But you could tell he was very uncomfortable to be talking to her. Yeah. And in proximity to her. Eesh, Candy. One questioner identified himself as a pastor from South Carolina. That got a big
big applause. He asked if there's just anything we can do other than send people links to three two-hour videos. Okay, good question. Yeah, which I thought was pretty well stated. And Mark said, well, you're talking about a magic bullet. I don't know if that really exists, but I would recommend testingtheglobe.com. Okay. And some other site that I didn't get down. I don't think it's really a magic bullet to just ask for a good primer to send to people. Right, that's not three hours, two hours long. Ooh, I'm looking at testingtheglobe.com, and it looks like it was designed in 1992. Oh, really? Well, I might be overstating, but it's pretty basic. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. A biblical worldview and one man's quest for truth, but not like a religious thing or anything. Nope. There was another questioner who came up. And uh, I won't use his real name because we've given him a fake name before. We called him, confusingly enough, Mark. So our Mark came up and said, hey, I want to thank you for coming to Los Angeles and meeting with our Pasadena meetup group. And I was so excited. It's like, I recognize this guy. I know exactly who it is. He's the guy that I really liked from our first meetup group who really did make an honest effort to try to answer questions and really engage with the ideas. I felt like I got the most substance from this guy. Mm. He was just really friendly as well. He was asking about other projects that Mark Sargent might pursue. And Mark Sargent said, oh, I'm only doing Flat Earth now. No ancient alien stuff. If TV does try to approach me about doing any documentaries or anything, I'm going to insist on talking about Flat Earth. Okay. And so then he wanted to end all the questions and reserve just a little bit of time. He wanted to read a letter from a teacher who had convinced all of the teacher students that the earth is not spinning and not a ball. Oh, no. And he even named the school. He said it was at the Frazee, Minnesota School. Oh, no. A lot of the parents there are awake. And that got a big applause. And that was the end of his talk. Oof. Yeah. So that was the end of my watching that day. So from there, we kind of just caught little pieces here and there. I know you saw one more talk. We both saw a panel. One thing that I saw was a video they put up that was about evolution, the lie of evolution. Oof. Predictably, it did have some footage of Richard Dawkins, the evolutionary biologist, uh -huh. telling his lies. And then it also had a little clip of Eugenie Scott, who's been on our show. Eugenie. Also a scientist and proponent of evolution and teaching evolution, which is what she was talking about. But of course, it was against this music and production values that told us she is evil. Mm -hmm. These things she is saying are bad. Yes. I was like, Eugenie made it. She got on the <laughs> Flat Earth Conference. We got to tell her. Yeah. I tuned in again to the Flat Earth Conference when I was at the Denver airport one morning. And as I uh, came into the stream, I noticed that it said 240 people were watching the stream at that moment. Okay. And that 3,000 total have watched. Now, was this during the conference or after? During the conference. Okay. So yeah, it was getting some eyeballs. So there was a guy with a Southern accent who was speaking. I later learned that it was Pastor Dean Odell, and he, okay. he was wearing a t-shirt that said fake X, like SpaceX, same logo. Cool, man. And he had a big slide up with a passage from Romans. He was very focused on the Bible. He said that NASA knows the earth is flat. They have discovered the dome and won't tell us about it. Oh, so they really are like going up into the atmosphere and... Oh, yeah. They've hit the dome. Right. So, so they know Bounced it's there. Back off. Yeah, I guess they can't crack it. I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah, what would happen if you put a crack in the dome? Yeah. Would something terrible seep into our atmosphere? Heaven? Oh. Maybe that's when Jesus returns, maybe he just crashes through the dome. In which case, we should just hasten it, right? Yeah. As he was sharing his Bible verses, this woman started yelling out, why don't you stick to the flat earth and stop preaching religion? <gasps> Oh, shit. Yeah. All of a sudden, like, whoa, whoa, this just got interesting here. Sowing the seeds of discord. <laughs> yeah, right. Pastor Odell says, oh, no, we're focusing on exactly the right thing. And the audience just chimes in against her. They all turn on this lady. And so you hear pretty much all men shouting out, let him talk. Oh, man. One guy yells, because we're talking about the one true God. Oh, my God. And then everyone like applauds to essentially drown her out. Right. I I was proud of her. She spoke out and she said, hey, some of us are Muslim. And she was talking a bit about her story. I come from a Muslim country and I'm really interested in flat earth. And that's what I came here to learn about. And she's I don't... just shouting this all from her seat? Yeah. Wow. Like, you can hear this. She's not at a microphone or anything, right. but yeah, you can hear it being picked up on the recording. I want to hear about flat earth and I don't need you preaching Christianity at me. Yeah. Okay. Fair. And I was told this was not a religious thing from the beginning. And the speaker says, Islam is a religion of death, plain and simple. Oh, fuck this guy. And the audience applauds at that. And this is another uh, thickly built white gentleman with uh, his head shaved. Oh, man. He says, the Bible did foretell Islam. It was a green horse. Sometimes the translations say a pale horse, but it was a green horse and the color of Islam is green. And the sun is green. Sit down. I know not everyone in the Flat Earth Movement is a Christian, but I'm sharing my story. A Jaren is not a Christian and I love his stuff. Oh, okay. There you go. So one of the other speakers. And he said, I even want someone from a Muslim country to come to the truth of Christianity. Oh, wow. You even want that. Wow. Good for you. And uh, so he starts talking about how he's risked his life and he's been to Muslim countries and had his life threatened. He was held in Nigeria at one point. Uh, and so he's talking about, you know, how dangerous it is to visit Muslim countries. Gosh. But he's just got to speak the truth. Everyone kind of dies down finally after all this kerfuffle. And he says, that's all right. Someone had to get heckled before it was over. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> then he goes right back into his preaching. And, yeah, and he get, well. gets very amazing facts like all of a sudden. He says, did you all know the United States is in the Bible? Four beasts in Daniel. And then he starts saying how the U.S. was mentioned. Oh, yeah. And amazing enough, it happens in Daniel 7-4. 7-4, like July 4th. Whoa. What? Very cool. So I had to tune out at that point. I think maybe I had to go board my flight or something. But yeah, I caught a really contentious little bit of the conference there. Yeah, that is exciting, but really unfortunate for that woman. I want to hear more, but I was just thinking. Penny, for your thoughts, Carrie. I love food. Mm, me too. I love food being delivered directly to me. And I love HelloFresh. Oh No, Ross and Carrie is supported in part by HelloFresh, the meal kit delivery service that is dedicated to delivering great recipes and pre-measured ingredients for less than $10 a meal. That's right. And all the ingredients come in handy meal kits. So it's easy to tell which ingredients go with which recipe is pretty awesome. They offer a wide variety of recipes that change weekly and a variety of plans. You can do the classic plan, there's a veggie plan, and a family plan. That's right. We both do the veggie plan. And HelloFresh also offers a Hall of Fame, premium, and kid-tested recipe selections. Yeah, I made some of these meals and they were excellent. Yeah, I love mine. Yeah, I had this awesome Mediterranean dish that had cauliflower and tomatoes 
and tzatziki sauce. Oh, yeah. I think I made this too. Yeah, that was good. I took pictures of all my food, so I'm showing Carrie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we also made this flatbread pizza that was fantastic. Look at that. I made that too. That was a really good one. Ooh, we must have gotten the same week. I think we did. So be like us. Get HelloFresh for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. You can visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code ONO30. O-H-N-O-3-0. And I know what you're going to do. You're going to be like, well, what if I put in ONO40? Do I get 40%? No. No. Stick with ONO30. They're just going to be like, this discount code isn't valid. That's a great deal and stop being greedy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But support us and enjoy some great food at HelloFresh. Yeah. So the next thing we caught, we actually both caught a Friday panel. Scientism exposed. Now, maybe you've never heard the word scientism. It is a pejorative term for Mm -hmm. people who... Put too much faith in science. View science in an almost religious reverence. Religion is a good thing until... That's not what we believe. So they have this religion that is their science religion. Religion is a bad thing. Right. They meaning us. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting, though. It just seems like, oh, we're trying to draw this equivalent. So uh, forget the scientific method. Forget peer review. Forget actionable results. And put all of science kind of on equal footing with religion. I think that's what they're trying to do. Is right. Just essentially strip away all of that empiricism and say, you have to believe something, and they're just choosing to believe this thing, and it's awful. They would say they're not getting rid of empiricism because they just look and see that the Earth is flat with their eyes. Except when their eyes lies. And also... They like good science, just not bad science. It's very complex. Mm-hmm. So who did we have? We had the host was Robbie Davidson. He was back. And the panelists were Rob Skiba, Rick Hummer, who we've met before, John Gabrielson, Pastor Dean Odell, Joe Taylor, uh, who was a very interesting fellow, not a flat earther. He was an older gentleman with a long, white, bushy beard. I'm realizing now this is not the panel I saw. I saw a later one, oh, but yeah. go on. Okay, that one comes right after this one, I right. think. Uh, John Gabrielson says just what we were saying. Oh, I heard all these theories, and I realized that science is just another religion. And then Rob Skiba jumped in and said, ditto here. I mean, Captain Kirk himself says that science is science fiction these days. Captain Kirk himself. Yeah, William Shatner. Famous real scientist, he, Captain Kirk. And he did a little impersonation of Captain Kirk, because why don't, not? don't we all? And he mentioned an interview with Michio Kaku and how I think William Shatner realized as he was talking to Michio Kaku, like, oh, he's just, he's just saying words. He's just making all this stuff up in his head. I don't know who Michio Kaku is. A well-known physicist who Who's uh. often a personality on TV shows. He looks like kind of an Einstein type. Okay. He mentioned Tesla and Tesla making a similar criticism about science and quoted Apostle Paul as saying, it was science falsely so-called. I don't remember no. Apostle Paul ever saying that. Okay. So it looks like he was talking about First Timothy 6.20. In the King James Version, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Oh, I take it back. Look at that. There it is. Okay. He's right on. Though the word science is an anachronism there. The Greek word in question means knowledge, but it's in the KJV. I'll allow it. 
Uh, Joe Taylor, uh, again, not a flat earther, but he was brought in for his expertise on evolution and falsity. The lie. Yeah, the lie of evolution. So he said, well, archaeology is also filled with imagination and half-truths. Does anyone say evolution? No, but I've heard evolution. Oh, me too. Pastor Dean Odell said that he started preaching on college campuses, and nowadays you just see so many kids leaving the church, mm-hmm. religiosity is going down. That's all true. all true. And he said that he taught his kids to challenge these ideas at their schools. He's just so proud of his kids. They go in, they ask these tough questions of their professors. <laughs> Oh, no. Picture those poor professors just trying to keep the class on track. And he reiterated, true science is great. I love science when it's actually... Of course, when it agrees with me. Yep. Rick Hummer, again, joked, this was kind of a recurring theme, that he skipped a lot of classes and he wasn't a good student in school. Mm -hmm. Again, Mm -hmm. hmm, interesting. And so he started talking about microevolution. Yeah, things change slightly, but you never see one kind turning into another kind. You never see a goat become a cat. Which is pure creationist fiddle-faddle. What was the chimp before it was a chimp? They only give you a piece of the puzzle and... That's nothing but chaos. They're making dinosaurs out of one bone. And I don't believe in aliens, and that's become mainstream science. I'm thinking, what? No. What are you talking about? Well, the existence of the aliens. The idea that there are likely aliens elsewhere. but Not that they contact us, certainly. Joe Taylor made the point that there is no prehistory. Everything that's happened has been recorded in the Bible. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Clever. Interesting, yeah. Rob Skiba was saying that he was really inspired by watching Kent Hovind presentations. Oh, no. And he said that he would watch them over and over, and he would record audio tapes from watching the presentations. Isn't he the one who went to jail? Yeah, for tax evasion. Great. I know, because I watched hours and hours of Kent Hovind presentations, (laughs) especially as I left the faith. For some reason, I was obsessed with watching Kent Hovind videos. They're very entertaining. He's quite the salesman. It's very confusing that two of the prominent creationists have the initials KH. Oh, yeah. Ken Ham and Mm -hmm. Kent Hovind. He said that after he'd memorized all these talking points that I was the kid in fifth grade saying, if we came from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? Oh, and then the rest of your class was like, you idiot. And no one has answered that for me yet. So, shall we answer it for Rob Skiba? Yeah, sure, let's answer it. So, yeah. We didn't come from monkeys. They're our evolutionary cousins. Right, so think of your cousin. Maybe his name is Joe, maybe her name is Karen. You didn't come from her either. Mm -mm. You had a common ancestor with Joe or Karen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is your grandparent. Yep. Okay, so that's part one of this. But also, we have other relatives that are still around, like bacteria, and we need them to live. And life doesn't move on altogether in one branch. It splits off. Those other branches that split off, they make changes. And those other branches that split off, they make changes. And eventually, we reach the present, and there's variety. And there's no distinct thing called a kind. That's made up. That's not a scientific concept. Even species is an indistinct distinct barrier. We define species by two organisms that can mate together and produce viable offspring. Right. But there are complications to this rule, like mules that make these things really tough to understand. Yeah, and they're hybrids, and and sometimes they can produce viable offspring, but most of the time they can't. And yeah, as species diverge, if they come back together... 
they can produce offspring, but as time goes by, maybe their chances of producing viable offspring go down to 90%, mm-hmm. then they go down to 80%, and then 70%, and 60%, and eventually you get to a point where they can't produce viable offspring, and now you have a different species. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we did not come from monkeys. Monkeys and humans share a common ancestor that probably looked kind of monkey-like. And uh, kind of human-like. And if you go back, you find those same kind of pairings uh, exactly where we expect them, and it plays out in the genetic record as well. So there you go, Rob. That's the answer for you. (laughs) He also complained that all of these museums and science organizations are covering up the existence of all of these human giants that have existed throughout history. Oh, cool. Yeah, just the scientism religion. And also he recommends that everybody watch Expelled by Ben Stein. Oh, of course, one of my favorite films, Mm -hmm. which also indirectly blames the Holocaust on Charles Darwin. Yeah, it was almost directly. It's funny that they'd like that because it definitely admits there was a Holocaust, which some of these people don't believe. Haven't thought about that angle. But I guess if you're a flat earther, you really just have to pick what you can get yeah. because you must disagree with pretty much every piece of media. And the Holocaust deniers, I think, are definitely a fringe within this group. Maybe, but I follow a lot of flat earthers on Twitter and a lot of them are Holocaust denialists. <sighs> Goodness. And uh, at the end, everybody got plaques for helping out with the film. I guess there was some film project they had contributed to. Oh, maybe it was the one I saw. The evolution film. Ah, okay. So then there was a hiatus and they came back for another panel. And that's the one we both watched. Yes. The host was Patricia Steer, and it was called Flat Earth and Other Hot Potatoes. Hey, potatoes. What's all these potatoes? Yeah, potatoes, running theme. Weird. Maybe we're on a potato-shaped earth. (laughs) So one of my favorite quotes is from this panel. There was a woman named Carly Sunshine, K-A-R-L-E-E. And as she introduced herself and gave her bona fides, she said, I run over 12 Facebook groups. <laughs> I love the phrase over, over 12. 12. God, I wonder how many it is. Yeah. Is it 30? I bet it's 30. <laughs> It's just like how Pastor Melissa Scott has mastery of over 27 languages. Yeah. Huh, that would be 28, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'd be great if it were 100. What do you say over, you can't even say over 25. You have to say over 20. It has to be like Uh, a multiple of 10, I think. Totally, totally. And then, you know, as you go up farther, you can't say over 290 videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to say. Actually, I'd even argue, if you said over 20, I'd be like, how many? Just tell me how many. Right. It's really right around like the thousand mark. Right. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. If you're in the twenties, you're dealing in numbers I can conceive of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just go ahead and tell me how many. (laughs) Anyway, I love over twelve. Her big one is called Flat and Happy, which I've now joined. Ooh, okay. She's got a YouTube channel for Carly Sunshine, has two thousand seven hundred fifteen subscribers. And she is clearly beloved. All of these people had a little grin on as people would clap for them. You could tell they were kind of new to fame and this was all very exciting for them. So Daryl had a cute little quip. He said, once you go flat, you never go back. Yeah, yeah, like that. He's a black gentleman, so it didn't come off as poorly as it could have. Oh yeah, we heard that we're at the tipping point soon. It's going to be embarrassing to be a globe head or to believe in evolution. Someone mentioned one of the question askers later. There are terms that they don't like and wouldn't 
encourage others not to use. And Globehead was one of them. And yeah. Globetard, I think, was another one. Yeah. So I thought that was a really good question. What pro flatter things actually make you cringe? Yeah, that's Just, a great question. Yeah, good self-reflective question. And the questioner said, you know, I really hate like Globehead. And it was the moderator who said she agreed with him. But I don't think any of the panel actually answered she the question. She didn't let, yeah, she moved on to that next question. But her answer to that was, well, everyone's a flat earther and they just don't know it yet. So we shouldn't be calling them names because they're just going to be one of us. Again, things I have heard in other movements. Everyone is about to be a blank. Absolutely. And the moderator, Patricia, she did mention that there is going to be a UK flat earth conference coming up, one in Australia and then another one, I think, in Europe. Wow. So apparently. Sam picturing all these things on a round earth. <laughs> yep. But that's wrong. Uh, we get lots of applause for the concept of God in this panel. Not a religious thing. Flat earth is the gateway drug to truth. Common theme, especially mm-hmm. among our friends at the meetup. <laughs> this, oh, I love this. They said all the water on earth is secondary water. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? So, yeah, I think that was David Weiss, was how they said his name, of Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole, D I T R H. That's his YouTube channel with 12,440 subscribers, or as we say, over 12,439 <laughs> subscribers. And he was talking about about this whole water system with evaporation and precipitation but that's all secondary water there's a lot more water captured above and below and i think this is a reference to genesis is my guess and that's where all the primary water is and he recommended watching a video called the great man-made river and it's about momar Gaddafi finding water underground in libya and at least the video that i clicked on for this it was again one of these with music and captions that you have to watch but it was only five and a half minutes hey it's like whoa and is it just a person finding groundwater they tapped into this source and got tons of water and brought it to the people and when he was talking about this he accidentally said the word planet planet yeah said earth is a planet and oh everybody lost their minds yeah and they're like oh you are the weakest link oh you haven't been thoroughly deprogrammed yeah he said that like oh i haven't been thoroughly deprogrammed sorry sorry (laughs) sorry not a planet because planet implies a sphere yeah and i think he was just looking for a synonym and oops yeah yeah how do you even describe it (laughs) right also on the panel was rich hopkins who i'd heard earlier And he gave me one of my favorite pieces of info from the whole conference. That flat earth diagram that we all see Uh with the North Pole in the center is referred to as an azimuthal equatorial. Oh, I had to go look this up. Just someone saying that. You don't know. That sounds like Asimov is in there. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking like Isaac Asimov. No, it was an azimuth. So this is azimuthal equatorial, the name for that projection where you have the North Pole in the center and all the continents radiating outward and then the Antarctic ice wall surrounding it. So I thought that was pretty cool. There's a hard to say term of course, for that particular uh, map. So someone from the audience asked why there aren't engineers and physicists and scientists who are into flat earth. A speaker responded, what makes you think there aren't? Everyone applauded for that. And he said, we're in contact with a lot of those people, but they're in hiding because they'll be viciously attacked by the establishment if they come out. Yeah, that was Bob Nodel, K-N-O-D-E-L of Globebusters. 
another channel on YouTube with 22,682 subscribers. That's where I'm, I get the same feeling I get with Linda Moulton Howe, which is you're either just lying or just some rando came up to you and was like, <laughs> you know, I used to work for the government and I think the earth is flat. And they're like, okay, got it. Yeah, so Writing this down in my list of anecdotes. Same thing with Stephen Greer. Mm. He alluded to all of these experts, right. but all the proof he had to offer was just his own confidence. Mm -hmm. There was a little shout out here to ICR and Answers in Genesis, two of our favorite creationist groups. Yeah, one of the questioners wanted to know why they hadn't taken a flatter stance. Yeah, it's too kooky even for them. And uh, yeah, Carly took this one and said, oh, but a lot of creationists are coming forward to say that they believe in the flat earth kind of dodged the question of those two major organizations. Now, ICR puts on the Creation Museum in Santee, right? Yeah, that we went to for our creationism episode. Several years ago now. You yeah. guys want to go back? Patricia referred to the future of flat Earth and said, or if you prefer the non-globular Earth. Oh, very nice. Because there was some debate. And when they were talking about the azimuthal equatorial even then they were saying you know we don't know for sure that that is what the earth looks like right figure it out guys yeah yeah what are you positing another question asker said you know i see this as an extension of creationism which yeah it totally is although it's not like a religious thing Nope. I like that uh, Rich Hopkins also said that people who believe in flat earth have the good fruits. I mean, they're generally good people for the most part. Mm. The people who believe in the globe are often bad people and very divisive. You can see it in the comments that they leave. And so the idea was that it's just very clear to him that flat earthers are moral, upstanding, righteous people. Yeah. This is telling, though, as far as good outreach, that if you are a jerk to someone, it's really easy for them to write you off. Um, mm -hmm. In the flat and happy group that I joined, there was a guy who posted about abyssal plains, which are part of the ocean that are flat because of how sediment settles under the ocean. Oh, right. And so he was saying, well, if there's flat parts of the earth, then the earth isn't round. And I said, well, okay, by that logic, the earth isn't flat if it has hills. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he really struggled with that and just kind of kept repeating himself. But I kept telling myself, you know what? I am not going to let this end with me writing him off. I'm just going to every time just come back like very patiently. And um, eventually he was writing me off. <laughs> okay. He was like, if you don't get it by now, you globed. But it's nice yeah. that he was the upstanding moral person in that instance. <laughs> right. He didn't become an utter dick. But okay, good. But yeah, I, I think that does disprove that theory. Rich Hopkins was also complaining that various flat earthers were calling each other shills for various things. And he said, stop it. Stop calling each other shills. We need to be a united front and call all the Globester shills, I think, <laughs> I think was the implication there. Oh, united front is such a tricky thing. One person asked what the panel's assessment was of media coverage of the flat earth group. And Richard Hopkins said, I'm calling out CBS Philadelphia for their coverage. <laughs> Because you could hear the cameraman laughing during oh. 
They're filming of an interview or the conference itself. It's just so derisive. And why does Obama have to say, we don't need a meeting of the Flat Earth Society? Oh, there, I wonder if he said that. There, he there that? is a clip of Obama saying that. And he was probably saying Flat Earth Society the way we said Flat Earth Society in our first episode, because it's like the first word that comes out uh-huh. of your mind when you're talking about a collective Flat Earth group. And ignoring the earlier advice, Rich said, the Flat Earth Society is a shill organization. Uh, and Patricia, the moderator, said, yeah, where are they? They're not even represented here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez, you guys. <laughs> they just ignored all of their advice about unity and togetherness right. and not calling each other shills. Man, such paranoid thinking. Patricia said, look into the videos yourselves to the media assembled. We are not crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think most of the people there are not crazy, but you can be not crazy and still have thoughts that are really irrational. Yeah, yeah. So we'll come back and do our ratings in a future episode. But for now, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our show is produced and co-edited by Ian Kramer. You can visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash on rack. We post pictures, we post articles, we post all kinds of cool things you want to see. And you can donate to us and help keep this show alive. Keep us going to cool conferences. Keep us going to get funky medical treatments, etc., etc. at maximumfund.org forward slash donate. D-O-N-A-T-E. <laughs> and thank you to all of our donators and supporters. You are awesome. Yeah. And you make this show possible. For real. And be sure to also support us by leaving positive reviews on iTunes, telling your friends. Or leave us a negative review on TripAdvisor. And remember, from Conspiracy Music Guru, no photographs of Earth. friend of mine once told me to do a search online search for photos of earth he said this shit will blow your mind so i opened up the google and i looked for photos of earth well, a lot of photos came up he said click on the first he said that's the famous blue marble that everybody's seen we've seen this photo a thousand times upon our tv screen but let me tell you something about that famous shot not a photo at all, man. It was made in Photoshop because there ain't no photographs about somebody tell me why. They're all just Photoshop cartoons. They're all just CGI. No photographic proof of a code. No, none at all. Why the hell can no one take a photo of this ball? Yeah, Mark. Hey, buddy. Oh, hey, what's up, man? Um, so I'm at this mafia restaurant. What? I'm going to go in and ask these guys what they think the best pasta shape is. Mark, they're probably eating. It's- I have a hunch that it's probably ravioli, but I mean, you know what? That's a good idea. Whatever they're eating, I'll just take a look in their bowls Why don't and you- see what they have. Maybe- There's supposed to be a big meeting there today. Can you see it from the street? That sounds really dangerous. So I'm just going to go inside and ask. Don't don't bother them. They're probably eating, you know. Well, look, I'm not threatened by them. How about we tell them what the best pasta is on our podcast? We got this with Mark and Hal. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank God. Tuesdays at 9? 
on MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.